podcast contains mature content. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to the jury room, where we dissect some of the most heinous, some of the most unthinkable, and some of the most monstrous crimes to ever scar the earth. From cannibalistic serial killers to decades-old unsolved mysteries, These stories are sinister enough to keep you up at night. Patriocide. The act of killing one's own father. Or a person who kills their own father or stepfather. According to an article in the Prison Legal News from 1994 titled Murder in Families. Quote. When a son killed a parent, his victim was about as likely to be the mother as the father. 47% mothers versus 53% fathers. But when a daughter killed a parent, her victim was more likely to be the father than the mother. 81% fathers versus 19% mothers. The article further states... About half of the non-family murder victims and a third of the family murder victims consumed alcoholic drinks before the crime. Is it nature or nurture that can turn a person into a murderer? Are people born cruel or do they grow up into it due to circumstances within their lives that force them to become sadistic? Do drugs and alcohol help to mold someone into a murderer? Or are some people just born with a vile dark side that can't be contained for long? Ipswich in Suffolk, England, on the surface looks like a picturesque town settled into a lush English landscape. It's a port city that is considered to be one of the oldest cities in Britain. It's the kind of place that you would want to live and raise a family in. In the 1990s, Desmond and Deborah Thorpe did just that. The couple would have four children, one of which was Lorraine Thorpe, who was born in 1994. Lorraine grew up close to her father, always wanting to spend as much time as she could with him. Desmond was a complicated man, however. He had his own troubles and struggles. Alcohol was something that crept into his life, forever impacting it. Once alcohol addiction sunk its claws into his skin, it seemed that Desmond was forever unable to walk away from it. Like many folks... Desmond would become a raging alcoholic, unable to perform daily basic human functions. His addiction would impact his entire family, including his daughter Lorraine. In 2006, Deborah and Desmond separated for unknown reasons. It is possible that Desmond's drinking played heavily into the separation. 
The former couple's separation was very hard on Lorraine, who was only 12 at the time. Lorraine wanted to be with her father at all times, and the separation kept her from that. Due to circumstances outside of Lorraine's control, she would be placed with social services after her parents' separation. Being away from her father was especially hard for Lorraine. The two were very close, and Lorraine struggled while away from him. While with social services, Lorraine was diagnosed with attention deficit disorder and was put on medication for the disorder in hopes that this would better help the young girl. Even as a preteen, Lorraine showed her cunning as she would frequently run away from social services and return to her father and his toxic lifestyle. Desmond's alcoholism grew more and more as time went on until he was unable to care for himself in the most basic of human functions, such as cleaning himself, going to the bathroom on his own accord, and even would need help walking from place to place, as he couldn't walk on his own without assistance. Desmond would go so far down into his addiction that he would inevitably end up living on the streets. Social services would lose track of Lorraine not long after, and Lorraine was able to run away back to her father. Lorraine would stop taking her attention deficit disorder medication during this time, while she lived a transient lifestyle with her father. Desmond Thorpe was part of a group of drinkers often referred to as street drinkers. These were folks who were most often alcoholics who would live in the streets of Ipswich and tents throughout the area or in squalid flats throughout the city. It was amongst these street drinkers that Lorraine grew up during her formative years. This specific group of street drinkers that Desmond was a part of had a history of volatility amongst the group as well as others outside of the group in Ipswich. There was often fighting amongst group members. During this time, Lorraine began to be surrounded by other people who were involved in the street drinking culture, and she too began to drink heavily. Many folks within the group were so dependent on alcohol that they were in fact vulnerable, as they had to rely on other people in order to survive. The particular group of people that Desmond and Lorraine Thorpe fell in with had a history of criminal activity, ranging from shoplifting, theft, and even physical fighting with one another. It was through this group that the now 15-year-old Lorraine would be introduced to Paul Clark, a 41-year-old man who was nearly 21 years her senior. Paul Clark was initially from Manchester, UK area. He was the de facto leader of the group of folks that Desmond and Lorraine had found themselves hanging around. Over the years, Paul and Desmond would become friends as they shared their addictions and lifestyles. It is thought that Lorraine found Paul Clark to be a role model. She was drawn to his perceived power and leadership. Paul had also had a troubled childhood 
and so Lorraine felt a connection with him, possibly because of her own messed up childhood. Lorraine thought of Paul as someone who had exuded strength amongst their group. Paul Clark would often bully other members of the group, dominating them and intimidating them into doing his bidding. It wouldn't be long before Paul Clark was dominating Lorraine and leading her astray. One group member Paul would frequently bully was that of 41-year-old Rosalind Hunt, a vulnerable alcoholic and mother of two who had recently gone through a divorce. Unlike many members of the group of street drinkers, Rosalind had an apartment, and Paul Clark liked to take advantage of the fact that Rosalind had a place they could all congregate in, even though Clark did have his own flat he could have hung out at. Almost from the beginning of meeting each other, Rosalind had a special attachment to the young teenage Lorraine. She could tell that this environment of drinking and alcoholism was not a healthy environment for a young teenage girl, and so she befriended her. Rosalind was described as a kind-hearted woman, and she too was exceedingly vulnerable due to her alcohol addiction, just like Desmond Thorpe was. Their addiction left them in the position to be taken advantage of frequently. For Rosalind, people would frequently come and stay at her flat, and it was rare for a member of the street drinkers to have their own place to stay. It was rumored that at one point, Rosalind Hunt and Paul Clark had possibly had a romantic relationship, but it was not something that could ever be proven to be true. Paul, however, did frequently take advantage of Rosalind having her own apartment and would often stay there along with other members of the street drinkers. Paul Clark would take it upon himself to dictate just how Rosalind was to spend her money often demanding that she spend it on food for the group and to make them food regularly. On August 1st, 2009, the group of street drinkers congregated inside Rosalind's flat. Paul Clark, Desmond Thorpe, Rosalind Hunt, and Lorraine Thorpe were amongst the members hanging there that day. Paul Clark owned a Staffordshire mixed breed dog and often sometimes the dog would be with him and the group of street drinkers. It seemed that many times Rosalind and Lorraine would end up taking Paul's dog out for a walk. On August 1st, Rosalind Hunt got up and took the dog out. While she and the dog were walking, Paul's dog lunged at a young toddler. Rosalind kicked the dog in order to avoid the dog attacking the child. It was this act that would set a chain of events in motion that would end up costing Rosalind her life. When Rosalind kicked the dog, she wasn't aware that her action had been observed by another member of the street drinkers. That person would then go tell Lorraine Thorpe and tell her what they had witnessed. Lorraine would then go to Paul Clark and inform him of what Rosalind had done. Paul and Lorraine would then begin to plot against Rosalind that very evening. 
deciding to enact their warped sense of revenge upon the vulnerable woman. On August 2nd, 2009, Paul Clark and 15-year-old Lorraine Thorpe would track Rosalind Hunt down. The two would eventually find Rosalind away from her home and they would drag her back to Paul Clark's nearby flat, basically kidnapping the vulnerable woman. Once at his flat, they forced Rosalind inside and would begin their cruel plot for revenge. Lorraine Thorpe and Paul Clark would interrogate Rosalind Hunt after they abducted her. They would also take turns beating the vulnerable woman throughout the day. After several hours of beating and interrogation, Rosalind Hunt would confess that she had gone to social services regarding Lorraine Thorpe's living situation as she had felt it wasn't suitable for someone so young. The attack intensified soon after Rosalind's confession. Lorraine and Paul would hold Rosalind hostage within Paul Clark's apartment. Lorraine and Paul would tie Rosalind to a chair. Enraged by her confession that she had spoken to social services about Lorraine and where she currently was. After tying the vulnerable woman to a chair, Lorraine Thorpe and Paul Clark would continue to beat Rosalind as well as torture her over the course of four days. They took a cheese grater from the kitchen and grated it against her face. They took salt and would pour it into her exposed wounds that they had created, intensifying the pain for Rosalind. Paul and Lorraine also took a fan Paul had in his house and pushed the blades of it against her face, causing further pain and damage. They would also light Rosalind's hair on fire, continuing to savagely beat her with a dog chain throughout the four days, on top of the continuous torture they put her through. Paul and Lorraine didn't just stop with the beating and torture of Rosalind Hunt. They also invited Paul's other street drinker friends over to Paul's apartment where they could witness the brutal beating and torture of Rosalind. Lorraine was a full participant in the beating and torture of Rosalind. Eventually, Thorpe and Clark decided they would need to kill Rosalind Hunt as they had done too much damage to her and it was bound to come out what they had done to authorities. After four days of non-stop abuse, Paul and Lorraine would drag Rosalind from his apartment, as Paul did not want to kill Rosalind at his apartment. They would take her back to her own apartment, as a way to not associate Paul's apartment with Rosalind. Once in Rosalind's apartment, Paul Clark and Lorraine Thorpe would continue to attack the poor woman. They were loud enough to alert a nearby neighbor who did call the police. But unfortunately, by the time the police arrived, Paul Clark and Lorraine Thorpe had vacated Rosalind's apartment. And now, for a quick break.
Autumn's Oddities is a strange and unusual podcast made by the strange and unusual me, Autumn Gruby. Each week, I'll be taking you through some of the creepiest cases true crime has to offer. It won't only be true crime. I'll also be covering cryptids, haunted places, haunted things, and the true stories that inspired horror movies. Listen every Monday and Friday for new episodes. And remember, if it's creepy and weird, you'll find it here. Now, back to the show. When the police knocked on the door, they heard no sounds and no one responded. They would leave Rosalind behind, not realizing the brutal attack that had happened behind the closed door in front of them. The next day, Paul Clark and Lorraine Thorpe would re-enter Rosalind Hunt's apartment. Once there, they found Rosalind unconscious but still breathing. It was at this point that their attack escalated into full-on murder. They would viciously stab, punch, and kick Rosalind. It was in this state, barely breathing and unconscious, that Paul Clark and Lorraine Thorpe would leave Rosalind Hunt within her apartment. The two would go back to their group of street drinkers Lorraine even boasting to the others about what she and Paul had done to Roslyn. The two would wait another four days before returning to Roslyn's apartment. Once they re-entered the apartment, they were shocked to find Roslyn still alive, barely breathing and fighting for her life. Roslyn had managed to survive for eight days after her initial kidnapping and torture. At this point, Paul and Lorraine knew they had to finish Rosalind off. They had stolen medication and forced Rosalind to take it by opening her mouth and pushing the medication down her throat. They then continued to savagely beat Rosalind once again. The final beating was so vicious that she suffered over nine rib fractures. Lorraine and Paul also would severely damage Rosalind's throat, more likely from strangulation. They then drug Rosalind to her room and placed her on her own bed. It was at this point, after so much physical abuse had occurred to Rosalind, that she finally succumbed to her wounds and would die from the savage beatings administered onto her over the course of eight to nine days. On August 9th, 2009, a neighbor of Rosalind's called the police again to report that they had not seen Rosalind in over a week, which was unusual. The police arrived to Rosalind's apartment where they found her lifeless body on her bed. Lorraine and Paul continued to brag to certain members of the street drinkers about their vicious attack on Rosalind. It was at this time that Lorraine Thorpe's father, Desmond, overheard the two. 
he was disgusted by what they had done. And it is thought that Desmond threatened to go to the police and report to them just what Lorraine, his own daughter, had done. Realizing that Desmond had every intention of reporting their vicious crimes to the police, Paul and Lorraine made yet another bloody plan. On August 10th, 2009, Lorraine and Paul grabbed Desmond off the street and took him into the apartment he had been staying at, just as they had done one week earlier with Rosalind. Due to Desmond's vulnerable state, Lorraine and Paul could easily overpower the sick man, and so they began to attack him just as they had savagely attacked Rosalind. Lorraine Thorpe would attack and beat her own father, stomping on him repeatedly, similarly to what she had done to Rosalind one week before. She and Paul then took a cushion from the couch and would place it over Desmond's face. Paul Clark and Lorraine Thorpe would smother Desmond Thorpe to death, placing his body on the couch after he had died. Then they ran from the apartment, Lorraine going to her mother's home and Paul running to an unknown place to lay low. On August 11th, 2009, the person with whom Desmond had been staying with discovered Desmond's body laying on the couch. They called an ambulance, and the police were also brought in. It was apparent to investigators that, like Rosalind, Desmond was murdered. It didn't take them long to find out who their prime suspects should be, as several witnesses placed both Paul and Lorraine at the scene of the murder of Desmond. Police tracked Lorraine Thorpe down to her mother's home, as well as finding Paul Clark in the place he had been hiding. They brought both suspects down to the police precinct to begin interrogating the two. After talking with each other separately, they were able to place both Paul and Lorraine under arrest for the murder of Desmond and for the murder of Rosalind. From this moment on, Lorraine, 15 years old, would be considered Britain's youngest double murderer. Lorraine Thorpe had made the decision to follow Paul, down into the depths of bloody anger and murder. At 15 years old, she had murdered an innocent, alcohol-dependent mother of two and then her own alcohol-dependent father. After being arrested, Paul Clark tried to convince investigators and later a jury that the attack on both Rosalind and Desmond had all been carried out by Lorraine and that he had nothing to do with their murders. In August of 2010, one year after the murders had taken place, both Paul and Lorraine were found guilty for the murders of Rosalind Hunt and Desmond Thorpe. Paul Clark was sentenced to life in prison Lorraine received a shorter sentence due to her age and would only be sentenced to 14 years in prison. She will be eligible for parole 
in 2024. At the time of her release, she will only be 30 years old. On September 1st, 2014, Paul Clark was found dead in his cell within the prison. It is unknown how Paul Clark died only five years into his prison sentence. Many psychologists have studied the case of Lorraine Thorpe and Paul Clark's double murders. The general conclusion is that while Lorraine Thorpe was definitely controlled and influenced by Paul Clark, she was fully aware of her actions. In an article with The Mirror, forensic psychologist Carrie Nixon states, quote, The level of violence used in both murders would be expected to come from an adult man. Unquote. She goes on to state that, quote, Thorpe did not stand by and watch as Clark murdered her father. She actively participated in the murder. Unquote. It is unknown what inevitably drove 15-year-old Lorraine Thorpe to murder an innocent, vulnerable woman, as well as to go on and murder her own vulnerable father. It does not seem that Lorraine Thorpe felt much if any remorse for her actions. Lorraine Thorpe will be a free woman in 2024. Can someone who so viciously and callously murdered two innocent people the way that she and Paul Clark did come out of prison reformed? Only time will tell, it seems. Thanks for listening. And remember... You never know what's lurking in the shadows, lingering around the corner, walking past your house at night. So watch out, stay safe, and keep listening. This has been The Jury Room.